Hello and welcome to episode 52 of my podcast, I Stand Strong. I, as always, am Teddy, coming at you from my bear cave in the concrete jungle of the beautiful Midwest. Um, yeah, uh, 52. Um, okay, last last episode I, I was talking about some of my, my favorite, uh, my favorite, like, well, underrated, what movies I feel don't get the appreciation they deserve. Um, and this, 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 this week's episode, I am, uh, I I can't remember exactly what triggered me to start to think about this. I think it was a post I saw about, you know, something to do with Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Um, and it made me start thinking about like directors that just don't, work for me or like they, they I just don't vibe with them like their movies do nothing for me even though like they get a lot of like hype around them um and but with this one since I am talking about things like I don't want to be completely negative I've I've challenged myself to at least think of one movie in this the director's uh you know catalog that that at least works for me. Like, the, like if there's one that I could say, I, I actually, you know, one movie of the, these directors I actually think is worth watching at least once. Um, most of these directors um, probably wouldn't wouldn't be too. Oh, there's a couple on here that I'm pretty sure I'll probably get some uh, uh, some slack for. Um, but yeah, it's just you know, move, like. You know, I get it. Not every director is going to work for every person. Like I like a, I like Guillermo, like anything Guillermo del Toro does. I love. I know people who can't stand some of his movies, so they're wrong in my eyes. But that that's fine. That's their opinion. You know, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has them and has them, and all of them stink. Um, but or most of them stink. But uh, so, anyways, let, let's let's dive into some more movie talk uh, and start talking about some some directors that. Uh, most of them are very highly rated, but at the same time, they just, they don't speak to me. Um, so yeah, let's, let's start with, you know, like I mentioned Stanley Kubrick's a shining. So I'm just going to start with Stanley Kubrick. Uh, I, I do not get his movies. Um, most of his movies just seem so cold and sterile and emotionless that like he just he does nothing for me. Um I'm very vocal about the fact that I think The Shining is a decent horror movie, but it should not be called The Shining. It is a horrible horrible take on The Shining. That said, Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall put in performances that are worth watching, but not a good movie. Like none of his movies are good to me. Um the Shining, like I remember the first time I saw it, it wowed me. But then, like the like I tried to go back and watch again. I'm like, what did I like about this movie? It's so like there's long stretches where all it is is artsy takes of like you know like just still shots, and it doesn't build any suspense for me. Um, you know, Jack Nicholson, yes, puts in a really great performance with the slow de- de- slow descent to madness, and Shelley Duvall puts in a hell of a performance as the you know. The wife of this, you know, recovered alcoholic, um, 
who's got some issues and you know like and her her dealing with his slow descent into madness as well as like trying to keep her son safe from this you know from his own father um they put in good performances but man this movie just it's so dull to me and it misses the and, and okay I'll also put it to the like i've read the book and like kubrick completely missed the point of the book like all humanity in the movie was just stripped away for whatever it is that Stanley Kubrick thought he was adding to this story. Didn't add anything to the story to me. He, in fact, took away the core of what makes Jack Torrance's descent into madness um, gripping. Uh yeah, um, but anyways, like I don't want to focus just on The Shining. Like you know, two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. You know, like the movie has so many rave reviews, and I watched it, and I had to fight to stay awake. Nothing happens in the movie. It didn't do anything that was really, really spoke to me. It was just once again cold, sterile, no emotion. Um. I guess I could give it, you know, give it at least the credit, like the, the take on, you know, like the HAL AI that's going, you know, you know, kind of like goes crazy partway into the movie is, is vaguely interesting, but I don't care about the characters, you know, nothing. And, and yeah, so it's, it's just, it's a Kubrick is one of those directors. And it's like, I, I appreciate that people like his movies, but like looking through his filmography, um yeah like i think there are like maybe two movies that i will say were worth at least watching well i i could say i i think the shining is worth at least watching once um i think it is an interesting movie from like the cinematography standpoint but yeah um and that is one thing that i will say stanley kubrick has like i think he does have some really good cinematography in his movies but they just don't work for me. Um, you know, but the two that I will, I would definitely say are worth at least watching once. Definitely that I think are the closest to hits for me are, you know, clockwork orange is great for the kind of punk rock feel of it. You know, um, God, Malcolm McDowell puts in a hell of a performance in the movie. Um, and the whole dystopian feel of it, it, it works. And then the other one is Full Metal Jacket, which I think is the closest it comes to being a movie that actually has some emotion to it. Um, you know, watching Vincent D'Onofrio as Gomer Pyle go, you know, I, I don't even remember what the character's real name is, but I know they always call him Gomer Pyle. But like his his storyline in, in uh, Boot Camp um, is is interesting. It was this guy that's like probably should have never been in the military. Um, of course it's a, a Vietnam era movie. Uh, but yeah, watching, watching this kind of like innocent, probably somewhere on the spectrum guy, uh, like basically get just tormented into the point that he snaps, had some emotion to it. Um, and when it does get to the Vietnam era stuff, Matthew Modine, um, God, there, there, I, I forget who all's in that movie as far as actors wise. Cause it's been a while since I see it, but but it 
it's probably the closest I could think of a Kubrick movie that actually gave me some emotion. Um, and that might be partially because as the son of a, of, you know, of a man, uh, of a father who did go to Vietnam, I'm always intrigued by Vietnam. Like I would love to at some point in time, get the stories from my dad, but I won't push it. Cause I know that's, you know, like if he doesn't want to talk about that, I'm not going to make him relive stuff, but I've gotten little glimpses here and there. But so I think maybe that, maybe that plays into it a little bit too. Um, but yeah, full metal jacket, probably the, what I would say is probably the, the one exception to my not a fan of Kubrick. Um, do I own a full metal jacket? No. Um, I don't own any of his movies. Cause like I said, to me, he just like, I think he's overrated. He does, you know, I can, I guess I can see what people see him, but they don't work for me. So I sh I'm not going to say overrated. I just, he's not for me. Um, so yeah. Um, and you're going to, you're going to kind of notice a pattern here probably of the, yeah. In fact, there's very much a pattern into these move like these directors that don't work for me. Um, yeah, so on to, on to the next, uh, next director that goes in the, I just don't get it category. Um, David Lynch. Um, I've watched three or four of his movies, all the ones that people just rave about and I don't get it. Um, his movies feel to me like he has these great ideas for sequences, but no through line. And I think what really bothers me about his movies is he makes these movies and he's like, oh yeah, well no, it's it, it's definitely got a meaning, but I'm not going to tell you what that meaning is. To me, that just come across you have no fucking clue what you were what what you were trying to say with this movie. You were making a movie with a bunch of great moments. But no through line because you had no story. You, but then you hide it under the fact of like, oh, no, if you don't understand it, you, you're just clearly not intelligent enough to understand it. And I think that kind of bugs me is like how many people, like especially the people who are like really big David Lynch fans, they will like, oh, no, you just you just you're just not smart enough to understand it. No, that's bullshit. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Oh, God, that was really angry. And I don't mean to sound really angry. He just he's so. Like he's so busy just trying to put these like weird things out there to me that it doesn't work. Um, so to move past this one as fast as possible so I don't get angry because for some reason just the idea of like people shaming me for not liking David Lynch films pisses me off. Um, I will say there are probably two, once again like there's one movie that really stands out as like the one movie of his that I can watch, but it's also like the least like his 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 catalog and that's dune his his 80s version of dune i love it given i like the uh the more modern modern remake uh or modern version by uh yeah i'm not even gonna try to remember that guy's name um was it denis villeneuve um is a, a much better interpretation but I like his 80s Dune version. I mean, you got a great cast behind it. Um, I think it does a really good job at condensing the story yet making it uh, understandable. Um, but yeah, it, it 
it gets a little I mean there are little aspects of um of David Lynch like Lynchian stuff in there like I think like when he drinks the water of life you know and he kind of goes into like the acid trip moment of you know seeing the universe for what it really is that's a little Lynchian but it at least it's accessible Lynchian I guess um but that said like I tried watching um is it Blue Velvet I think is the name of it or whatever the the yeah, I tried watching Blue Velvet. I tried watching, uh, like I've never touched Eraserhead because I've I've known it's just full on Lynchian stuff. Uh, I think I watched a little bit of Lost Highway, and most of his movies are just boring to me. Like they're, like I said, they just come across as being artsy for artsy's sake. Like there's no real purpose to it for me. So. Um, but that said, I will also say the first season of Twin Peaks is really good. Um, haven't liked much that came out from that whole thing after the first season, but the first season was good. And it once again, though, it's kind of Lynch light. I mean, it's not him going full Lynch. It definitely still has a story to it to me, where most of his movies just feel like I said, they feel like they have no story. They're just a bunch of random moments that were cool to him somehow trying to find a way to patch them together. Um, so yeah, uh, David Lynch is very, very touchy to me. Like, but like I said, I think, I think what, what brings the anger about it to me is the fact that the diehard Lynch fans seem to be kind of dicks about people who don't, don't care for Lynch. I've had too many conversations with people who are like Lynch fans and they're, they're like, oh, well, no, you, you just don't get it. You know, you're, you're not plain, plainly you're not smart enough to understand it. Well, no, it has nothing to do with smarts. It just has to do with different tastes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and given all these directors at some point in time, I've probably had a rage rant about I wouldn't be shocked um, being a big movie ha- fan. Yeah. <clears throat> but anyways, yeah, so David Lynch, number two. Um little out there for me. I think he's a little too experimental. Doesn't doesn't do anything for me. Um This next one actually kind of hurts me a little bit because I think his early stuff actually really works, but where he what he does now just I think is I think it, it, it comes off as him just smelling his own farts anymore. And that is Christopher Nolan. But I will put the asterisks in there. I will say anything past uh, the prestige. Well, technically that's not fair because the other two Batman, the second two Batman movies came out after that. So I, I guess I'll say, you know, like past the prestige, you know, other than those second two Batman, the, the second of the trilogy of Batman movies he did. After Prestige, his movies just started to suck to me. Like they were too. Like he was trying to be really high concept, and none of them work for me. Um, you know, like. But then again, I'm also very vocal about the fact that I think the best of his Batman movies is Batman Begins because the other two aren't Batman movies. They are crime movies that just happen to have Batman in them. Um, you know, another hot take. I really feel that with Dark Knight, Heath Ledger doesn't be like the Heath Ledger Joker. Does I don't think becomes the 
you know, the standard it's kind of become if Heath Ledger doesn't die. Um, Because I really think, like, in that movie, Heath Ledger's not even the more interesting villain. Two-Face is the the true interesting villain of that movie. The Joker is just a way to get Two-Face, create Two-Face out of Harvey Dent. Um, And by the end of the movie, like I said, I think Harvey steals the show in the long run as Two-Face over the Joker. Not taking anything away from him. I I think Heath Ledger did a really good interpretation of Joker. You know, it's fascinating. Like how 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 many times I've watched that movie, and I still want to know the story of the scars. But at the same time, I also feel both Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. You could take Batman out of those movies, change the villain characters, and you could do another. You could do the same movie. Um, you don't need Batman in those movies, and that kind of bothers me a little bit. So I guess you can like. With the Dark Knight, you can kind of start seeing what what to me what uh, Christopher Nolan became afterwards, um, starting to creep in. But like, I think the first one that really like really hit me is like I don't think this is as great as other people did was Inception. I just felt like that was just a movie where he was just trying to go high concept, and he was like I said, smelling his own farts, thinking, "Oh, I'm so I'm such a visionary," or whatever. And he made this movie. And I fell asleep in that during that movie. That movie did nothing of interest. I mean, like, yeah, the visual effects were cool, and it it led way for the Doctor Strange movie to basically be Marvel's version of Inception, which kind of actually bugged me a little bit because Doctor Strange is worth more than uh, deserves better than a, a a knockoff Inception take. But thank God Sam Raimi fixed that with uh, or. Uh, did a true take on Doctor Strange with uh, Multiverse of Madness, but uh, that's another whole story. Um, but yeah, like Inception, um, Interstellar, were, like I, I knew that wasn't going to be for me the second somebody said, oh yeah, it's his take on 2001. I'm like, oh great. One hoity-toity director doing a take on a movie that I didn't care for. It's not going to be for me. I still gave it a shot because so many people raved about it. And once again, I was dozing off on that movie. It is so... Like, his movies after a certain point became so fucking boring. Um, And, and it's to the point, like, it sucks because, like, Oppenheimer could be an amazing movie. But I'm, like, very hesitant to see that movie because it's Christopher Nolan. And his track record after... After the prestige, like I said, kind of became, oh, I'm going to go so high concept. And it's like, yeah, not for me. Um, and, you know, and I, maybe I just need to start accepting that. Like, there are just movie, like, directors that are not for me. Like, you know, but but give me, like, the prestige. Batman Begins. Like, well, really any of his, ba- like, I'll give it credit to any of his Batman movies. They're, they're fun movies. I like them. They may not all be true Batman movies. And some of them may be a little bit predictable and cheesy at points. But, like, you know, like, you know, Memento was a good movie. Um, I remember liking Insomnia, although I've only seen it once. But, like, The Prestige, I think, is probably my favorite movie he did. Um, I love that movie. I did not see the, the, the ending coming. And it still, you know, it still shocks me how well he played that movie. Um, but then, yeah, he just... To me, he just went a little too high concept, and he lost me there. I'm happy people f- find those movies and like them, and he has his audience because 
you know, he, he obviously loves to do what he's doing, but once again, not for me. Um, you won't, you won't see me, uh, lining up to, uh, praise Christopher Nolan anymore. Um, which is kind of sad because I think, like I said, he, he was definitely one of those ones that I really liked early on. Um, yeah. Um, okay, here we go. This, this one really tested me because this next director, he, I just don't get his movies. Um, probably be like, just maybe they're just not, you know, once again, just not for me, I guess. But once again, I see people just praise heap, heap praise on him. And I don't fully understand. I guess I just don't understand why. And that's Wes Anderson. Um, the whole, you know, his whole shtick just is strange to me. Like I get like the, I somewhat get the quirky nature of it, but like, uh, the Royal Tenenbaums, I remember when that movie was getting rave reviews and I watched it and I'm like, did I, am I watching the same movie that other people watch? Cause I'm not, I'm not seeing any great movie. Um, I never saw Rushmore back in the day, but I know he got a lot of praise for that one. Um, fantastic Mr. Fox. Like I love the fact that he did like a, a puppet kind of movie. Didn't do anything for me. Um, yeah, with him, I think the only one that I will come I will come the closest to saying was a movie that I liked was The Life Aquatic with Steve. But then again, I really think that Bill Murray is, you know, like Bill Murray is the reason for that. I think he takes the material and he elevates it to a point that none of the other movies seem to reach. Um, although I constantly hear praise for Wes Anderson movies, I just haven't. Like I, I have no interest to track his movies down and watch them. Like I've just, I've realized after trying to watch a couple of them that it's just no. I will. Uh, I guess I'll just never click with his his quirky. I would say sense of humor, but I don't even see any humor in his movies. It's just awkward. Everything's so awkward to me in his movies. Um. So yeah, like you know, like I, I remember hearing really good things about like Moonrise Kingdom, which this the crazy thing is like all of his movies have amazing casts to them. So you'd think I'd be like, well, yeah, something in these casts has got to speak to me. But like, like I said, I remember watching the Royal Tenenbaums. I mean, you have some heavy hitters in that movie, and none of them seem to do anything that really like spoke to me. And that takes a lot. I mean, like I can I can get around a bad movie as long as it has good performances in it. And I don't even feel like the the actors put in good performances in most of his movies to me. Um so yeah, Wes Anderson. I have a feeling this is going to be a shorter episode by the way because uh I I feel like I could just burn through uh burn through what I think about these, you know, these directors fairly quickly. Um yeah, so that's that's Wes Anderson, and I'm like I I want to understand what people like about the movies, but at the same time, I'm done going and trying to find the movies so that I can try to understand because you know, like I said, I think I've watched like three of them, and none of them have done anything for me. So like three strikes are out kind of thing. Um, but like I said, I did challenge myself. 
And I could actually say some good things about The Life Aquatic, but still not a movie. I, I would never own it. I have no interest to go back and watch it again. I just remember thinking, yeah, that was like finally a movie I saw with him where it was like at least somewhat, somewhat interesting. Okay, we're going a big swing on this one. Um, okay, from Wes Anderson and his quirky, whatever you call it, style to a director that just wants to destroy you with every movie he's ever made. Um, and I've seen quite a few of them. Uh, I think there's only one of them I haven't seen that I really want to see. And at some point in time, I'll get around to watching that. And that's Darren Aronofsky. Okay, this man is like, he makes movies just to destroy the people watching them. And maybe that's why I don't click with them for the most part is like, I'm not like, I, I want to feel, but most of the time when I watch a movie, I want to feel good. I don't want to feel dirty. I don't want to feel like life is you know, just endless torment, but it seems like that's what he focuses on. Um, you know, like, uh, Requiem for a dream, you know, like if you get to that movie and you don't want to slit your wrists, you're a stronger person than I am. Um, uh, I haven't seen black black Swan is the one by him that I really kind of want to see because, it sounds really intriguing, but I know it's good. Like, I know I'll have to be in the right mind frame. And another thing is, like, I can watch his movie. Like, I can only watch his movies if I'm in just the right mind frame. Because I know that he's just, it's just going to be, you know, pure pain, really. Um, but, uh, let's see, I, I no interest to see Mother. Um, especially when I found out it's just basically him doing the Bible in a weird way. Um, doesn't, doesn't interest me. Um, had no interest to see his, his version of Noah, even though it had a decent cast to it. Um, I'm trying to remember the movies of his that I've actually sat down and watched. Cause I've watched, I've watched a couple of them. Like I said, I know I've watched Requiem and then like the one that I, you know, the, the one I'll say is, as the good side to it is, um, because it made me feel knowing, you know, like, because I'm a fan of, of wrestling, it was kind of cool to watch the wrestler. Um, I think Mickey Rourke puts on a hell of a performance as, oh, I can't even remember the, the character he plays name. Um, but, you know, playing the, the aging wrestler who's well past his prime, but just can't help it. He, you know, it, the re wrestling is all he's ever had, so... He's still doing it, even though he's like living out of a, a van and he's incredibly cut off from the family he once had. And he has a he's somewhat having a relationship with a stripper played by Marissa Tomei, although even that's kind of like just like toxic in way it's in its own ways. Um and yeah, I mean, like it's it's a great take on the, the aging wrestling, especially like you know, like being a fan of wrestling. Like I've really dug into like the stories of like Jake the Snake Roberts, a hell of a performer, who his demons were always way bigger than he could handle, um, whether it was drinking, drugs, sex, whatever, and he destroyed his life because of his demons. Um, partially brought on by like an abusive father, but you know, 
but a hell of a performer when he when he went out there and he was on Jake the Snake was a hell of a performer. And in many ways, the wrestler kind of does feel like it's pretty probably pretty heavily based on uh, Jake the Snake. But um, but yeah, it's it was a good movie, and like I remember legitimately feeling something when you get to the end of the movie. And he's been told basically he needs to stop wrestling because if he has another match, he could die in the ring because he's just done so much damage to himself between the drugs, alcohol, and the wrestling. Um, yet he still goes out there and has a match with like his greatest rival who was played by a WCW wrestler, uh, Ernest the Cat Miller. And yeah, he goes for his, I think his finisher was called like the Ram Jam or something like that. And he goes for the Ram Jam, even though he knows by doing this move, he's probably going to kill himself. Um, and it just ends with him jumping off the top turnbuckle, and I don't think you even see him land. And it's just, it it's like I said, I think it's the only one of his movies that worked for me. Um, but that said, I've only watched it the once because like, I needed to do a bunch of stuff to get myself out of the funk that that movie put me in. Um, yeah. Uh, Aronofsky is like, I think he, he has his, his niche, but his niche does not, does nothing for me for the most part. Um, which is funny. Cause like I said, I, I think I do think like his movies are interesting and I have enjoyed the movies but man, they're just not for me. And and like, like that that's the key to this thing is like these movies aren't for me. And that's I, I'm I'm always happy that directors find um find audiences. Cause I'd hate to see somebody who has like an artistic uh you know, an an artistic idea that they put out there and it never finds a you know, like an audience. But they just don't do any Excuse me. They just don't do anything for me. Um, yeah. So that actually brings me to the last one. And with this one, I can successfully say I've never found a movie of this director that even slightly hit to a point that like I could like the movies. Um, much like Aronofsky, this director just he just wants to hurt people with his his statements to me um or just not necessarily hurt but like he just wants you to be uncomfortable the whole time and i've watched like two movies i don't even think i've watched them all the way through because like i just couldn't i couldn't stomach them and that is Lars von Trier um yeah this guy he he does some interesting stuff, but like, you know, like I, I watched, um, I watched a chunk of antichrist, which is, I don't know from, from what I've seen, it's pretty much like one of his hardest to watch movies. Um, and then I watched a good chunk of, I want to say it was called like nymphomaniac or nympho or something like that. Um, and yeah, his movies just are like to some extent I think 
Aronofsky's movies look like Disney movies compared to Lars von Trier. Um, does he use some interesting ideas? Yeah, I mean, like Antichrist is at the core of it is a story about a, a married couple whose life goes drastically ho- bad after they're having sex and their son falls off. I think it's like a a, a patio and dies and so it's like they're trying to put their pieces back together they go out to this like cabin in the woods and then it just goes batshit from there um i don't even think i lasted in this movie to the infamous uh like the most infamous moment of the movie where willem dafoe i want to say like i can't remember if he had like something happens to his manhood and i'm like yeah i'm kind of glad i didn't see that part um, but he, I think I will say that Lars von Trier has some, like, once again, cinematography is interesting, but man, his, his movies really aren't made for me. Just vicious, crazy, uh, emotionally unsettling movies. And I think that's going to always be something that will never work for me is just the, the, like I'm, I already have enough depression on my own. I watch something like that. It, it's hard to recover from them, watching them. Um, you know, like how I haven't even watched the Joker, uh, with Joaquin Phoenix yet, because I would need to be in the right mind frame to watch a movie that tackles mental illness the way that one does from everything I've heard. So, yeah, Lars von Trier, he leans heavy into it. And I, I mean, he does, I'm sure he does interesting things to people who can who can watch his movies. But yeah, they're not they're not anything that gets me. Um, even though he he's like there's gotta be something about him because he attracts some interesting, uh some like really good people around him, like um Willem Dafoe, uh Stellan Skarsgard, uh well. Shia LaBeouf is in Nymphomaniac briefly, so I guess like you know he's there, but like what I say, he's a great actor. I think he's got potential, but never really reached what he could be. Um, but like uh, Matt, uh, oh shit, I just lost his name. Anyways, uh, yeah, he uh, Matt Dillon, Matt Dillon, uh, he you know like he's had some amazing actors that love to work with him so obviously there's something about him that i'm i'm not getting maybe it's just i can't get past the the overly depressing tones um yeah that might be yeah i think that's gonna i think that's gonna be it because like i i have nothing else to say about any of these directors i have no real um no other directors to talk about that I could think of. Um, so yeah, I guess I'll just say uh, if you want to tell me what I may, you know, maybe let me know what I'm missing in some of the, with some of these directors or tell me maybe, maybe you have a director that you, you know, d- doesn't speak to you. Yeah. Let me know. You can reach me at standstrongcast at gmail.com. Uh, so yeah, with that, I'm going to say thank you for listening and, Thank you to everybody who, you know, who gives me, who does give me feedback and everything on what I'm doing here. And, uh, 
you know, thanks for joining me. So with that, I will say talk to you in two weeks. Bye-bye.